God bless you. Please have a seat. So glad you're here. Freedom. Freedom reigns. Freedom reigns because Jesus reigns. And so I'm very glad you're here. We've been in a series called After the Storm, very briefly, and I mean super brief. If you want to hear the series, and I, I honestly think that this is an important series for you to get, there's three ways to get them. You can go on our website, rhowbk.org. That's uh, www.rhowbk.org. Um, you can get those sermons there. You can also get them on our podcast. Uh, they're connected, so you can go to our how and get them there. Or if you're, you're just like, i got to get these sermons like really soon, you can uh, give Keith back there. He's the handsome guy in the flannel shirt and a uh, very sexy pocket protector. And um, you ask that guy, and for a very small fee, because we actually have to buy the CDs. I think it's like a, if you buy two, it's like $5 for two or something like that. So you can go ahead and get those. Um, but we've been in this series. And in this series, what we've discovered is that God is with us during our suffering. Because the most difficult thing that you and I can talk about is suffering, right? I mean, isn't it cool to talk about God when things are going well? It's so difficult to talk about God when things are going really tough. So we're, we, we, we actually planned this series months ahead, and then we renamed it once the storm came, after the storm. But all these messages were planned weeks and months ahead, and there are people in this congregation that you could tap on the shoulder who were part of that process. So God is really um, leading us and directing us, and we're encouraged by that. The first week, when we talked um, about it, we, asked, we answered two questions. Where is God, and what on earth is he doing? And the answer was, God is present, right? And he's, uh, not only is he present, but he's protecting us, right? His presence is protecting us. Remember we said, Psalm 23, 4, for thou art with me, right? And then um, uh, we went on to the second week. <laughs> and you know what happens when you're speaking in front of a bunch of people and you go blank? You just want to ramble on about stuff, but I'm not going to do that to you. Um, the second week we talked about something that I can't remember, so I can't imagine you can remember it um, because I worked on it for like 13 to 20 hours. So, okay. Um, so the second week, does anybody remember what second week was? This is tough, I know. It's, right, all, all things work together. What was that? No, no, that was like four months ago, but we appreciate that. Um, but I love that. All right. Um, it was Romans 8.28. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. It was Romans 8.28. And for we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purposes, and that God's, here's what we learned, God's purposes are perfect. That his purposes in your life and in mine, now watch this, this is really tough if you're going through a really difficult time. And I want you to know, especially if you're new, it's very easy for a preacher with a super cool bow tie to talk about... <laughs> Um, to talk about suffering, to talk about suffering and then not understand your pain and your misery. I get that. And when I say God's purposes are perfect, I get that you're going through marital issues. I get that you're going through health issues. And if we had enough time, maybe I could share with you my sufferings. But listen to me. I don't come from a place of no suffering. I know what it is to hurt and cry and wonder what is going on. But we learn that God's purposes are perfect. Even if we don't see them, even if we don't understand, right? Sometimes we know, see them. And uh, God's purposes are perfect. Week three, somebody will remember it. And that was last week. 
Give thanks to God. Yeah, right, right. In all circumstances, give thanks, for this is God's will for us in Christ Jesus. Thank you. This is interactive today, right? Um, it's the mic, I'm sure. Um, yeah. And so, and so we're going to trust God in every circumstance. We're going to thank Him, in fact. That's what we said. And we asked this question. Have you thanked God for? And this week, I had to practice that several times. I just go, God, I want to thank you. I want to thank you uh, for storms. I want to thank you for circumstances that are beyond my control. I want to thank you. And so I'm praying that you learned to do that as well. Okay, this week, um, we're talking about, I think, something that's incredibly important. If I had to choose one thing that I fear for this church, like if I was going to die today and they said, well, what are you most afraid of? It would be this thing that I'm going to speak to you today for Recovery House of Worship. There is a sense sometimes in every single person that I speak to and perhaps every single person that's listening to my voice, there is a sense that we go to God not necessarily for who God is, but for what he can give. I just recently had an experience like this. When I say recently, I mean like two years ago. Um, uh, a guy came to my office, and he came with a camera, and he said, you know, I just bought the house um, on the other side of this building, and I would love to take pictures from it from your perspective so I could get the yard and all that other stuff because, you know, our, our, our building is right across all these houses and all that. And I said, sure, absolutely. So it was an opportunity for me to talk to him about Jesus, so I did. And, and we talked, and we talked for a little bit, and he seemed very, very interested in the end his camera didn't work. Well, what, what, turned out, what, what turned out was is that he was an investor, a real estate investor, who wanted to buy our air rights. <clears throat> and he came back and he said, hey, listen, we'll offer you, you know, $15 for your air rights or whatever he offered, right, several million dollars. But he said, we'll, we'll, give you these air, we'll purchase these air rights from you. And, uh, and I just remember in that meeting feeling disgusted with him. I couldn't get over that. Because there's something about being used or manipulated so that somebody else can get what they want. Have you ever had that happen to you? Like, right, let's say, for instance, you're the first person to get a car in your neighborhood, and you're like Mr. or Miss Popular, right, driving everyone around, and it's like, oh, cool, and then your car breaks down, and it's like, oh, my gosh, nobody's calling, Nobody's calling to go to the mall. Nobody's calling to go to the movies all of a sudden because it's, it's not your friendship that they wanted. It's what your friendship could give them. Um, have you ever done that uh, with your spouse? Right, guys? Right? You take her out to dinner. You act real nice, hoping for like a hero's reward at night, right? And so you just go, oh, my gosh. And then you get really angry when it doesn't happen, Right? And so what happens? You're not being nice to your wife because you love your wife and you want to bless her and all that other stuff. You're waiting. You're doing something for her because you want something for her. You know, women, right? This, it goes both ways, right? And so there are places and moments in time where we tend to use people not for, who, not for loving them, not for blessing them, but for getting something from them. And I think this is something that we, we all struggle with um, uh, once we lose uh, once we lose that emotion sometimes we fall away from friendships because we only really needed them for this one thing you know uh, some of us say things silly things like I love too much but you don't 
you don't love too much, you're too manipulative. And here's what I mean by that. Is that you, you give yourself to someone not for the purpose of loving them and, and being kind to them, but that, so that they might return the love to you so you could feel valuable and you could feel validated and significant and secure. Maybe they provide a living for you. And so it's not that you love too much, it's that you are a manipulator. And it's fine, we're in church, we're all something. What I'm saying is, is that it's painful and nobody likes it really to be used not for who you are, but for what someone can get from you. You know what the problem is? That would be, that would be not so good if we just did that with one another occasionally. But the problem is, is that this is our regular duty with God. In other words, God, I really don't want you for you. What I want is for you to give me my real God. See, I have a God, and, and, and his name is whatever, right? Car, job, security, financial success, peace, emotional wellness, physical health, uh, monetary prosperity. I have a God called... Uh, 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 prestige, and, and I have a God called social acceptability. I have a God called Kim or John, or you know, I have a God. And God, I will even go to you and worship you and sing to you and raise my hands and submit, read the Bible and pray only in so far as you, O oh God, give me my real God. And so when we do this with God, we do the very thing that we hate to have done to ourselves. We pursue God, not for who God is, we pursue God for what he can give us. You hear this all the time. Now, how do I know that people believe this? It's because when they come up to me, and, and I get angry, man, I get angry emails and conversations and all sorts of stuff. You should be in my office. I laugh when people go, oh, really, what do you do for a living? I was like, no, I work at the church. No, really, what do you do? And I was like, this is a lot of work. You should come by on Mondays and Tuesdays every now and again. But when people come by and they start talking to me, really angry thoughts about God, it's always, almost always, when people are angry about God, it's almost always, when I tell you almost 100% of the time I'm being kind, I, haven't, I can't remember one time when it wasn't because of this reason, that God is not giving them their God. It's 100% of the time, but I'll, let's say 99.9% of the time, because maybe you can think of one time. And here's what the conversations sound like. It sounds something like this. You know, Pastor Edwin, I'm so angry with God. It's like, really? Tell me why. I'm so sorry to hear this. Tell me why. Because you know what? I started to come to church and I started to pray and my husband still cheated on me. Oh, I get it. You're angry because you went to God. And that, by the way, is that, is that a bad thing, not wanting your husband to cheat on you? Right? If you've had your husband cheat on you, my heart really goes out to you. Don't hear me uh, say anything other than that. That's horrible, horrific, terrible, awful. But the reason that you're angry at God is because God didn't give you your real God, which is fidelity and loyalty and security and all that other stuff. You know, I've been coming, I don't understand. I've been coming to church for four years. They don't even love Jesus. And they got the promotion and I didn't. Right? You ever, you ever hear something like that? I've heard that. What if, 
oh man, I, you know what, I, 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 what good is it worshiping God, you know, um, I still got kicked out of my house. You know, I prayed and prayed and prayed, and the landlord still won the court case. Well, well, what, what we're saying is, now we wouldn't say it this way, right? That's not necessarily in our vocabulary, it's not necessarily how we would speak, but what we're saying is, God, I only want you to produce for me my real God. You know, I prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed, and I still got cancer. Well, because my health is my God. It could be something very, very sensitive. I prayed and prayed that my kid wouldn't die, and then my kid died. Now, I'm not saying that those things aren't huge wounds. I'm saying that if we go to God simply to get those things, then we miss out on really experiencing a relationship with God. That's what we're talking about today. So if you don't listen today, what you're going to lose potentially is your faith. That's what's at stake at today's message. Your walk with God. And so now God knows that you and I have this propensity to go to him more like a sugar daddy than a, than a God who's glorious and, and powerful and wonderful and fantastic. We have a tendency to go to him that way. So God says... God's put a wonderful illustration in his story, in his book, a story that is historical and also very, very, very powerful for us. So we're going to read from Exodus. Everybody open up your Bibles to Exodus chapter 33. And let me give you a little bit, open up your Bibles, Exodus 33. Now let me give you a little bit of history behind this. Before we read it, I'm going to give you a little history behind it. If you didn't bring your Bibles, we love you. If you're new... We love you. We actually put the scriptures right in your bulletin. So if you pull out this, the bulletin, you can get a pen out. And I'm going to have you write something down. Uh, the scriptures are right there. But let's, let's go quickly because we don't have a whole lot of time. Now, listen to me. Listen to me. I want you to tune in. Everything. This is everything. This is everything. Now, um, what's happened is that Moses, anybody, everybody ever heard of Moses, right? You've seen the cartoon, right? Seen the movie? Yeah, okay, great. All right, so um, Moses is God's chosen deliverer of Egypt. God is going to deliver Egypt, uh, wow. God is going to deliver Israel from Egypt through Moses. And what God says is he, he promises Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob all throughout the years that he's going to deliver them into a promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Now, the milk and honey means the land flowing with good things and provision. Milk, sustenance, honey, sweet things. So it's not just meeting your needs. It's like, wow, it's like riches, right? So it's not just day-to-day bread that you need. It's milk and honey. It's, it's joy and sustenance. God is going to deliver all that to the people of Israel. Well, Moses goes up to... Uh, goes up to uh, uh, the mountain, and he has an encounter with God. God gives him the, the Ten Commandments, literally carves out in stone his words, the Ten Words, or the Ten Commandments. And so God gives that to Moses, but Moses is up there for a bunch of days, right? You, right? Sometimes when you spend time with God, it can't be five minutes just before you leave the house, right? Sometimes you really have to spend time with God in order to hear from God exactly what he wants you to know. So in that time, it was about 40 days, the people of Israel decided that they were going to worship God, but that Moses had gone and that God was nowhere to be found. So what they did was they created a golden calf. Could you imagine this? 
So what, what Aaron did is that he told everybody to take off their earrings, take off their, you know, take off their jewelry, and they were going to melt it, melt the gold, and then shape it into a calf. This is the God who delivered you from Egypt. And so they're dancing around and they're celebrating this God, this God, this image. It's terrible. And, all right, so just the, because you and I can't feel the emotion of that, it, Moses walking down, or God walking down, or he doesn't walk really, but God coming down and seeing that is a lot like you coming home with flowers for your spouse or chocolates, depending on which, you know, what spouse you have, and then opening the door and watching them make love to someone else. That it's kind of like adultery. So if you want to understand the emotion behind chapter 32 and why it was so offensive, it's an awful lot. When God speaks of us worshiping other gods, he speaks, he uses this language, he calls it adultery. Madness. It's adultery. You're cheating on me. You're supposed to be faithful to me, God would say. And we're sleeping with the next guy or girl. Okay, so... So Moses comes down, sees this people, then uh, a plague breaks out. It was divine judgment. And I know that for some of you, you don't even have a category for judgment. If God is not like happy, happy, joy, joy, and he doesn't, well, my God doesn't punish. Well, yeah, no, then it must not be the God of the Bible. I, I just, I'd love to talk to you. Your God doesn't punish? Explain to me the cross. If your God doesn't punish, explain to me the cross. And so the cross is the sovereign wrath of God punishing the entire world through a man. It's powerful. It's the cross. So God, God does bring judgment. But now watch this. God, the beauty about God's judgment is that it's just judgment. It's fair judgment. God is not a corrupt judge. It's fair judgment. And so um, God brings judgment among the people, and they get sick, really sick. And some of them die. And it is a terrible time. That's chapter 32. Okay? Right? You should read the Bible more, right? Such intrigue. It's better than Dallas. Right? And so, I think they just recently brought it back. Okay, so, um, okay, so we're going to read chapter 33. After the plague, after the idolatry, after all the craziness, we're going to read. And this is where it's going to be. The rubber is going to meet the road. This is powerful. So, in, we, in this church, we have a tradition. We ask everyone to stand when we read the scriptures because this is God's holy word. It's incredible. It is powerful. And it's not to be ignored. Okay? So, <clears throat> okay. We're all going to read verses 12 through 16 together. I'm going to read it all, the rest of it to you. Okay. Then the Lord said to Moses, Leave this place. You and the people brought, uh, you and the people you brought up out of Egypt. And go to the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I will send an angel before you and drive out the Canaanites, Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go with you, because you are a stiff-necked people, and I might destroy you on the way. When the people heard these distressing words, they began to mourn, and no, and no one 
put on any ornaments. For the Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites, you are a stiff-necked people. If I were to go with you even for a moment, I might destroy you. Now take off your ornaments, and I will decide to do what to do with you. So the Israelites stripped off their ornaments at Mount Horeb. Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp and some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would would uh, go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrance to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they all stood in worship, each at the entrance to their tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Everyone together. Verse 12. Moses said to the Lord, You have been telling me Lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways, so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Then said said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth. Okay, may God bless the hearing and the reading of his word. Okay, here's the big idea that I want you to understand today. And this is the big deal that I want you to know. I never ever, and here's, listen, I never want you to pursue God like he's your sugar daddy. I never want you to pursue God like he's someone to just give you something. Oh, God, I'll pursue you as long as you give me a happy marriage. Oh, God, I'll pursue you as long as my kids are okay. Oh, God, I'll pursue you as long as my health holds out. Oh, God, I'll pursue you as long as you keep my job. Oh, God, I'll pursue you as long, as long, as long, as long. Listen to me. Do not pursue God that way. It's a lot like adultery. Don't do it. See, it's a tragedy. Because, so let's imagine this box is God. And what happens is, is that you and I, what we want to do is we want to separate God's gifts from God. And so it's different for each one of us, right? God, just give me money. Just give me money, please. I need some money. I got to get it. I gotta get out of this place. I gotta please just give me this money. If you give me this money, I'll be okay. Or maybe it's friend. Oh God, I just feel so lonely. I need some friends around me. Or man, give me a house. You know what? I'm homeless right now. God, would you just give me a house or a school? Lord, help me to get into the right school. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, putting this 
thing in for college or a job. You know what, God? If you're God, you're going to let me land this job because it'll give me all the finances that I need. Or maybe you'll make my job a more peaceful place because it's really stressful right now. God, where are you? Give me my job. Um, Marriage. Oh, man. God, fix my marriage. He's a mess. She's a mess. Or family. God, would you please, please, Heal my family. None of these things are bad, by the way. Or a new car. God, you got to give me a new car. Or keep my car running. Or help me to pimp out my car. Or maybe it's clean time. Or maybe you just want to stay clean. Maybe you haven't been clean. Maybe you want to get sober. You haven't stayed sober. Maybe it's one of those things. I don't know. But here's what I know. That our biggest, my biggest fear for you is that you'll be satisfied with God's stuff and not with God. Here's what I mean by this. Listen to me. Uh, And this is the big idea that I want to teach you today. I never want you to be satisfied with God's presence, gifts, without his presence, his abiding work in your life. I never want you to settle for God's presence, his gifts. Never settle for God's presence, the gifts that he gives, without his presence, Walking with him, enjoying him, seeking his face, loving him, never. And we see Moses do this exact thing. Watch what's happened. This is incredible. The drama in this moment could not be higher. Now, you have to understand, God hasn't spoke to the people in a few months. We don't know how long the plague went on for in chapter 32, remember? So, God is angry. Plague comes, judgment happens, Moses doesn't hear from God. And then the very next sentence, which is the next chapter for us, but, it, you know, it's right. So, <clears throat> then the Lord said to Moses, depart. Could you imagine that's the first word you hear after God, having been silent, having spoken judgment on the people? Depart. No, no, no. No, no, no. God, you are awesome. Don't say leave. Don't say depart. <clears throat> Leave this place. Oh, oh, just leave this place. Okay, I get that. You and the people you brought up out of Egypt and go up to the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. Whoa, this is looking pretty good. This is looking pretty good. Wait, 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 wait. God is telling Moses that he's going to give them what they always wanted. Anybody know what they were before they went into the desert? Anybody know? Slaves! Slaves! Anybody know what God was promising them? Freedom! In their own piece, on their own piece of real estate. God was going to give them the very thing that they looked for, something that they never had, a home to rest their head. Wow. Hey, go from this one. This is really good news! Verse 2. I will send an angel before you and drive out all of the ites, right? The Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Parasites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Look up at me. Watch this. I'm going to do the fighting for you. I'm going to send an angel, and he's going to totally prepare. Think about this for a minute. Have you ever wanted something? Okay, so God goes, you've been struggling with addiction. God goes, hey, I'm going to clean you up. I'm going to take the taste out of your mouth so that you you don't feel like you want to go back to that. I'm going to give you everything that you wanted. 
and then some. You're like, banner day, incredible moment, unbelievable. Wow, God is really here with me. And, and I'm going to make it work out for you. I'm going to send an angel. He's going to work it out for you. He's going to fight your battles. Yes, this is everything that we dreamed about for like over 400 years. Verse 3. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey. Just in case you missed it. Wow. Go up to the land. I'm going to give you everything that you dreamed about. Everything that you longed for. But I will not go with you. What? But I will not go with you. To which some of us in this, um, some of us in this room would say, okay. You're going to give me the guy? You're going to give me the car? You're going to give me the house? You're going to give me the job? You're, going to go, you're not going to go with me? Okay. You know how I know this? I know this because I speak to people who God has given them their clean time. And I talk to them about God and they want nothing to do with God. Don't worry, I'm going to give you everything you want. I'm going to give you clean time. I'm going to give you social respectability. I'm going to give you everything. Good deal. God, you're not going to go with me? Good, I didn't want you to come. There were some things that I wanted to do that I didn't want you to see. I I see this with relationships all the time, all the time, all the time, all the time. Todo el tiempo. All the time. There's a job. It's an offer. It's a good paying job, reasonable job. Here's the only thing. You, you can't go to church on Sundays. You can't grow your relationship with God. It, it works you so many hours that you can't possibly develop your walk with God, read your Bible, pray. You can't serve anyone else. You can't live out your Christian walk. because you're so, so God goes, I'll give you the money, the position. I'll give you the prestige. I'll give you the place. I'll give you everything. You'll be the man. You'll be the girl. But I'm not going with you. Cool, God. Good deal. Good deal. I'll take it. I'll take it. Good deal. Milk and honey and no Jesus. Nice. But I will not go with you. Because you are a stiff-necked people. That means you're stubborn. You are a stiff-necked people, and I might destroy you on the way. Look up at me. God is not like your abusive father or your abusive husband. He's not like a... He, God doesn't just lose his temper um, for any little thing. That's not what we're talking about. God is holy. God's continent, God cannot countenance unholiness. His holiness demands righteousness. And their rebellion would demand more judgment. I could go with you. If I went with you, I'd have to destroy you. So God's saying that he's not going to go with them is another expression of his mercy. See how merciful God is? He says, you know what? I'm going to give you everything you want. Could you imagine doing this with somebody? Honey, I'm going to give you the car and the house. I'm going to give you everything. The finances, the bank account, all that other stuff. But I just can't stay in the house. I can't live with you. I can't be with you. Could you imagine how painful that would be for them to go, okay, well, right. (laughs) Could you imagine? Well, you know, you have to do what you have to do. I understand. 
But that's exactly what we want with God. And this is my fear for this congregation, that we want God's presence, but we don't want his presence. That we want God's stuff, but we don't want God's abiding life. Verse 4. When the people heard these distressing words, I love this, they began to mourn, and no one put on any ornaments. Look up at me. Remember what happened in, verse, in chapter 32? They took off their ornaments to make a golden calf. Here they see the, here they see the depth of their sin. And they say, no. We're not going to put on any earrings. When you put on earrings, see, now we put on, I mean, my goodness, some of you ladies put on earrings to go to the shower, right? But, um, but like now, you know, it's a fest, it's no big deal. Back then, it meant festivity. It's like, you know, putting on a suit for a guy or, you know, dressing to the nines for girls. And they said, we're not going to dress like it's a festival. We're not going to dress like it's a party. There's something serious going on here. We're not going to put on what caused such uh, destruction. They began to mourn, and no one put on any ornaments. For the Lord had said to Moses, Tell the Israelites you are a stiff-necked people. If I were to go with you, even for a moment, I might destroy you. Now take off your ornaments, and I will decide what to do with you. So the Israelites stripped off their ornaments at Mount Horeb. Did you know that for the rest of their time in the desert, they never put on jewelry again? In response to this, they never did. Because they always wanted God to know, we, we want your presence in our lives. So, let me ask you a question. If God gave you everything that you ever wanted, everything, the man, the stability, the security, the joy, the happiness, the peace, the health, if God offered you everything that you ever wanted, but he said, I won't go, would you take it? Would you say, good deal? Here's, my, here's what I've discovered. Many of you will. Many of you will. And I'm trying, I'm doing my best to try to, that, that I can't tell you. Have, have you ever seen this? You know what? I would just be happy if I just had a man. And then you get the man, and then you say, I would be happy if that man just left. You ever, you ever, no? Am I the only person who's heard people talk about this, right? Oh, man, you know what I need? Single people. Oh, you single people are so cute. You're so cute. You know what, Pastor? You don't understand because you're married. <laughs> As if I was born married, right? And so, and they go, you don't understand, you know, you're married and all. And then, and then they go, if I could just be married. And then they do the very thing that they say will bring them happiness. And they go, you don't understand, Pastor, if I just had a divorce, I'd be so happy. Here's, here's the deal. Never accept God's gifts without. Ask yourself this. Is God in this marriage? I know you just met, and I know, right, you go to the fruit stand, and you leaned across, and you were going to grab the guava, and then he grabbed the guava, and your eyes met, and <gasps> God did it. 
It was a miracle. It's so awesome the way you met. I understand that. But if you're having sex before marriage, God's not in it. Oh, that's so antiquated, Pastor. You're like Rip Van Winkle. I know, I'm just saying. If you go for your job and your job takes you away from the things of God, then it's not from God. If you apply to a school and you're going to a school and you find your relationship with God weakening, then it's not the right school for you. If you have a house, but the house has so much stress attached to it that you can't even see God where he is. You're not growing closer to God. You're just trying to live paycheck to paycheck to provide for your idol, the house. If your friends are not drawing you closer to God, if your money, if your God is your money, and if your bank account is full, you're happy. If your bank account is empty, you just know there's no God in the universe. I want all of your blessings to be in the context of a relationship with God. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm trying to say the same thing 50 different ways. I, I want all of your blessings. So now, here's what happened. All right, some of you know, and i got to close, right? I lost my house um, when Sandy came by. Right? Sandy came over and she took my house and my car. And... Um, and, uh, and, and just kind of an emotional week, right? And, and some of you guys are so beautiful. You were helping me move. And it was just like every time I caught a moment by myself, I just would start to cry because it's real. You know how like it's when things become real, like you know it, but then they become real, right? Like someone dies and it's real, but and then when you throw the dirt on the casket, it's really real. And so it became really real this weekend. And... And I get, and you know what it is? I'm so loved. I'm so loved by so many people. Here's what they would say. They would say, don't worry, Edwin. And this is, by the way, powerful and beautiful and the hope that the Christian has. God is working out something better for you. They would say things like this. God, listen, I can't imagine what God is going to give you as a direct result. And that is, that's not bad. That's all good. I'm praying that your prayer comes true, right? Like, I, right? I, I want a, a nice house. I want, you know, I'm not saying that these things are bad, but here's what I'm saying. It misses the point. It misses the point. God is not going to give me something better. God is better. God may not, listen to me, listen to me, right? In my, I'm in Christ, Right? This represents, I'm in Christ, and God may say, nope. Deal with it. And is that okay? Because the, the, the gift, the better thing is, the gift is not the gift. God is the gift. God is the gift. If you never get that man, if you never get that marriage, if you never get that woman, is God still worthy to be enjoyed? If you never get that marriage, if you never get that job, is God still worthy to be worshipped? If you never get that health, like your health goes bad for a long time, listen to me, is God still worthy? And the problem is, for a lot of us, the answer is no. Listen. Never accept God's presence without his presence. I love at the end, we're going to skip down, we have almost no time. Skip down to verse 12. Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name. 
and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember, this nation is your people. Then the Lord, Moses goes like this, God, we don't want to go if you don't go. We don't want to go if you don't go. God is the gift. Now listen, how do we get from just wanting God to be our sugar daddy to actually wanting God? Just wanting God. Right? How do we go from wanting God to fix our marriages, our jobs, our relationships? Our, how do we go from wanting God to do stuff, which is perfectly alright so long as it doesn't eclipse that we want God? God, house or no house, I want you. Marriage or no marriage, I want you. Freedom or no freedom, I want you. In jail, outside of jail, I want you. Healthy, unhealthy, I want you. You, friends or no friends, depressed, struggling with depression for the rest of my life or living with great feelings of joy. I want you. Moses says, it can't happen. My joy is not complete unless you're not with us. In fact, Moses goes as far to say as kill me. Kill me. You, 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 know, you, you want to give me your gifts without you? Kill me first. Kill me first. I don't want it. If you are ple- right, verse 14, the Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses, verse 15, then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send me up from here. Isn't that weird? God goes, hey, um, okay, my presence will go with you. And Moses goes, if your presence doesn't go with us. Right. Have you ever done that? Like you've been like, you know, negotiating with your parents or you're negotiating with your wife and you go, you know, and they go, oh, OK, sure, I'll go to the movies with you. Come on, you should go to the movies. It's like, but I just said I'll go to the movies with you. Right. Like you just go. And I used to think that that's what was happening here. And so I started to study the text. Notice what the word says. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you. Singular. There's different types of yous in the Bible. There's different like there's you, you. The individual, you, and then there's you like y'all, right? Like you're from Texas, right? And so, so there's you, the individual, and then there's y'all. God says, don't worry, Moses, I'll go with you. Moses says, uh-uh, no deal. It's not enough that you go with me. You need to go with us. See? God says, my presence will go with you. Moses' reply is this, if your presence does not go with us. See, Moses is not satisfied having a relationship with God just by himself. He wants that relationship to be expressed through all the people. Because if everyone knows God, then that's the greatest joy. Let me tell you something. Whatever you make your God will die, will be destroyed, will go away. This is true of everything that you see. Everything. The feelings that you feel, the things that you see, the things that you think are yours, everything in life is transient. Everything. Your money. Well, no, I mean, someone else will get your money. Like, you've got tons of money, someone else will get your money. You know, if you die early enough, someone else will marry your wife. Someone else will marry your husband. 
If your kids, they'll, you know, you'll be talked about during Christmas or Thanksgiving and all that other stuff. Your grandkids may or may not talk about you. Like everything expires. Everything dies. So here's an idea. Why not put your joy, your happiness, your peace on the only one that will not expire and will not go away? Why not put it on Jesus? See, here's the thing. We want to grow. If we suffer, listen, if we suffer, we want to grow in our joy in Christ. That even if we go through the difficult, dark times, we'll have that joy. Now, we need to close. I hope you got this. Don't ever accept God's presence without His presence. Don't ever accept God's gifts without His abiding life. So now, here's how to apply this. Some of you, listen to me. Some of you have never asked Jesus to come into your heart. And, and for some of you, you know, you go, oh yeah, yeah, I'm a Christian. Or, oh yeah, I have a relationship with God. But it's like, you know, yeah, I used to go to, you know, I used to go to church when I was a kid. My parents used to force me, blah, blah, blah. But you don't have a real relationship with God. God is not in your decision making. God is not in your life. God doesn't make a difference in your life. He's sort of in the periphery. And you sort of go to him as someone who you go to when you go through difficult times. Listen to me. If that's you, God ain't mad at you. He just wants a deeper relationship with you. Some of you, you're here and you love God, but you know what? It's with conditions. God, keep my health. God, keep my marriage. Keep my family. All those things that we talked about. Listen to me. Listen to me. No conditions. If God, listen to me. If God said, no, 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 no. Am I still enough? The way you get, the way you grow in that, yes, if that's true for you, is by spending time with him. The way I grew in love with my wife is by spending time with her. The way I grow in love with Jesus is the same. God absolutely loves you, and he's concerned about where you're at right now. And he knows that when your eyes are too focused on your stuff that you're missing, job, house, family, anything, that you you have no eyes for him. And he knows. He knows. So listen to me. Listen to me. God loves you. And I want you to know that at one time in history, there was one who had both God's presence and his presence. He was God himself. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he came down and he lived the life that you should have lived, but you haven't. And he died the death that you deserve to die. This God came and he said, I, Jesus did, he said, I'm going to say no to the presence of God. Remember, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? I'm going to say no to the presence of God so that you could have his presence and his presence. I'm going to hang on the cross for your sin. I'm going to experience the judgment that you deserve. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do it for you. 
just, it's that God who's willing to go through that kind of suffering to have a relationship with you. He's better than Prince Charming. He's better, listen to me, he's better than a fairy tale. He's real. And he's done everything, everything. If you're not sure that God loves you, God answers that question with, I love you this much. He stretches out his arms and dies. God loves you. But he doesn't want you to be satisfied with stuff. He wants you to be satisfied with himself. God is the gift. And his present is his presence. My prayer is that you would live that. So for the rest of this week, I want you to just ask this question. Is God in this? Am I I pursuing a God-given gift in a God-forbidden way? Am I pursuing, uh, whether it's family or relationships or home or security or finances or whatever, am I pursuing that in a way that doesn't honor God, that ignores God, that gets the gift without getting God? My prayer for you is that you not do that. So if you want to respond to this, if you've been looking for God's gifts and you realize, oh dear, I think I've been pursuing God's gifts more than I've been pursuing God, I want to pray for you. Then we're going to sing and close. But in a few seconds, I'm going to ask you to stand right where you are. I just want to pray a special prayer for you. You know what? I've wanted, you know what, God? I wanted you for this thing. But now I want you just for you. I just want you for you because you're the gift. So, if that's you, I want to pray for you. If you want to be free from that, I want to pray for you. So if, if you've been pursuing God, and it's, it's always tough to be the first person to stand on this one, but you want to pursue God for who he is, I want you to stand. I'm going to pray for you. Father, I pray for my friends. I pray, Lord, that you would just, in a very powerful way, give them a new vision of yourself. I want you to break the yoke of bondage. Lord, I want you to free them from having to pursue you for a better marriage or free, you, free them from having to pursue you so that they can get a better job or better feelings or better emotions or better uh, lifestyle or better housing situation or anything. Lord, that they would simply pursue you just to pursue you. Father, I pray for my friends, not for clean time, not for anything, Lord, that no matter what happens, Lord, I pray for my friends that they would see you. You are the gift. You are the special event. You are the prize. You are the glory. You are the joy. You are our all in all. Lord, I pray that you would break break the idols in our lives. I pray that we would not love anything more than we love you, not put anything before you. And Father, I pray for my friends whose hearts are so heavy right now that you would give them wisdom to know what to do with this message, that you would give them wisdom to submit to you, surrender to you, to pursue you, that they would submit their lives to Jesus, knowing you, loving you, recognizing that you are better than your gifts.
Father, I pray for my friends. Help to rejoice in you. For we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen.